Maybe we'll see another player or two added, but I really think we're probably done with the transfer portal hall, at least for now for TCU. So let's take a look back at who they brought in, who's going to have the biggest impact going into this upcoming season. It's Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day. You are Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Lockdown Horn Frogs, your team every day. We're free and available wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, please. Also, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts in its audio form. TCU Basketball, they take on Cincinnati tonight, the men's team in action at 6 p.m. Also, TCU Baseball, some exciting news in the D1 preseason poll. We're going to get that to that later in the show. But I want to start with some talk about the transfer portal hall that the Frogs have brought in so far. They were very active this past weekend, brought in five defensive backs over the three-day weekend um, that I talked about on Monday. Just a, a crazy day, a crazy couple of days, and adding players in the secondary. Andy Avalos obviously making that a priority. So I want to talk about those guys again, but really I just want to sort of run down the entire list of transfers so far because I feel like we're at the point now where this is probably going to be it for a while as far as adding players, those kinds of transactions happening They've got, you know, the allotment that they want. They have the players that they need. And so 19 transfers overall. Hopefully everybody gets signed and gets into classes today. Um, and we'll look at who they brought in so far. So we'll start with, uh, again, those five defensive backs they brought over the weekend. I'm just going to quickly run through the list, kind of give notes on each guy. John McIver Jr., cornerback from Austin P. Uh, so Javon's, or excuse me, Javon McIver Jr. He's been on a little bit of a journey. Started in Division Two, then played at Austin P at the FCS level. He was an All-Conference player last year. He's transferring to TCU. Didn't have the most impressive offer list in the world, but had a really productive season at Austin P this past year. Seems like a guy who can cover. Feels like depth in the corner room. Lamarian James, cornerback from Old Dominion. Um, he was a, a starting player the last couple seasons. Uh, again, a lot of experience at that corner position. Nice size, good frame at 5'10", 187. He's going to add to that room as well. Safety Cam Smith from Memphis. Um, he comes in over the over this past weekend as part of that defensive back haul. So he'll add to that safety position at six feet tall and 180. Has been a starter at Memphis for the past two years. Um, has played a lot. Again, heavy emphasis on guys that are veterans. Andre Selden um, from New Mexico State. Andre was originally... A Michigan player committed to Michigan and signed there. Was there for a few seasons, then went to New Mexico State. Started for the Aggies for two seasons. Had a number of tackles, a couple of interceptions, um, made some plays, and is now on his way to TCU. Another corner. He stands at 5'9", 180, though, so I'm wondering if maybe there's some position flex there. Possibly he'll make the move to safety um, because I'm not sure he's going to play at that corner spot. Maybe he'll be a slot corner, but we'll see. Again, a player with a lot of experience at the group of five level. Uh, Richard Tony from Nevada, safety, coming over with Ken Wilson, who was the newest staff member on the defensive side of the ball. Um, had a couple pick sixes last year, which was intriguing. Also played three seasons at Nevada, got a lot of reps, a lot of snaps during his career. Travis McLeod, um, the corner from Utah, started over four seasons for the Utes, played for Kyle Whittingham there. Uh, he's a local guy. 
or local-ish from Tulsa. But he's coming in, and he'll take in that uh, corner spot as well. So at the corner position now, you're pretty set with Helm, Avery Helm, Channing Canada. You bring in uh, Travis McLeod. You bring in Andre Seldon, Lamarian James, John McIver Jr. And you have a pretty good-looking corner room at the moment. The QB that the Frogs landed, Ken Seals from Vandy. Um, originally from Azle, Texas, so he's a local player. Played his most snaps at Vandy in 2020, was basically their starter all season long as a freshman. Um, threw for a lot of yards, also threw a lot of picks over his career. Not really a dual-threat player. I mean, he is a more prototypical pocket passer, but should be a valuable um, person behind Josh Hoover. He did say the coaching staff, he told Jeremy Clark from 247 Sports, that the coaching staff informed him that it was going to be a competition and that they were excited about him, you know, being part of this. So we'll see where he lands on the depth chart. But I think ultimately the ideal situation for Ken is he's a reliable backup behind Josh Hoover going into the season. Caleb Larms or the linebacker from Cal, leading tackler for the Bears, an all-Pac-12 player last season. Um, he had interest from Ohio State. TCU was able to get him in on a visit, and even after he went to Columbus to take a visit, he ended up committing to new defensive coordinator, Andy Avalos, I think he's going to be one of your starting linebackers next year. J.C. Oliver, safety from Tulsa, very productive player in his career there for the Hurricanes. He's coming to TCU as well. And then we get into some of the offensive line. Remington Strickland, interior offensive lineman from Texas A&M, was mainly a reserve, a backup player the past three seasons, uh, but was kind of in and out of the lineup, was firmly there in the two deep, though, for Texas A&M, will be a valuable player in that room for uh, TCU this upcoming season. Devon Deal, brother of Marcus Deal, listed as an edge rusher with a defensive end at Tulane. Had a really productive season. Getting after the quarterback uh, will be a big part of this defensive line rotation moving forward. Drake Dabney had under 600 yards receiving for the Baylor Bears this past year. Dynamic tight end, the guy that looks like he's going to come in and replace uh, Jared Wiley. 6'5", 248, good size, good athleticism, moves really well after the catch. Should be a dynamic target for Josh Hoover this upcoming season. Bless Harris from Florida State, also played at Lamar, but the past two years when he was healthy, he was a starting tackle at Florida State. I think Bless Harris is your starting left tackle going into the season if everything goes right. Cooper McDonald, who's going to play that new stud linebacker position that Andy Avalos has in his scheme which is sort of a hybrid stand-up linebacker, outside linebacker slash hand-in-the-ground defensive end, 6'3", 245, comes over from San Diego State where he was a multiple-year starter for the Aztecs. Eric McAllister, originally from Hazel, Texas, over 800 yards receiving this past year at Boise State. Um, he's going to come in and be your uh, immediate starter at outside wide receiver, I think. It will have a huge impact. Cade Bennett, interior offensive lineman from San Diego State, also spent some of his career at um, Oklahoma State, 6'3", 305, good size, should be someone who could play that guard spot. I think he'll be definitely in the two deep for TCU going into the season. Braylon James, dynamic wide receiver, big frame at 6'2", 200 pounds, was a top 100 recruit out of high school, comes from Round Rock, Stony Point. He was high school teammates with Cam Cook, the running back here at TCU, uh, he, and for all intents and purposes, kind of replaces Cordell Russell, who moved on. Didn't really play um, at Notre Dame last year, but has a lot of potential and seems like the type of guy that TCU should take a flyer on. Uh, he should be out there opposite Savion Williams, potentially, this upcoming season. Uh, Nana Afaso Mensa, 
defensive lineman from Notre Dame, spent four years for the Fighting Irish, had some productive seasons. I'm not sure if he'll project as a DT or as a D end, uh, but someone with a lot of experience and great leadership. And then Carson Bruno, who played tackle at La Tech, but is listed as an interior offensive lineman as he comes over to TCU, uh, 6'4", 312, pl- 312 pounds, and one of the many guys on the O-line um, that has a lot of experience and will be coming in and adding to that offensive line group this upcoming season. So those are the 19 transfers that have committed to TCU. Um, as far as the guys that are going to make the biggest impacts, honestly, offense comes to mind first. And the the players that I kind of narrowed this down to, I think Eric McAllister is going to be huge for this team just because he should come in and be able to start right away. He was super – I mean, he had over 800 yards – in 10 games last year for Boise. I think he probably would have cracked 1,000 yards if he played a few more weeks and finished out the season. He had huge games against teams like San Diego State, San, uh, San Jose State, put up, you know, plus 100-yard games and multiple efforts this year. I think he's going to be able to stretch the field vertically. You know, when, when I talked to Brian Smith, our resident scout here at the Locked On Network, he said this was the guy in his mind that was going to make um, the biggest impact. He felt like, he just looked the most ready to play right away. But also, I think Bless Harris is going to be really valuable for this team. Now, the question with Bless seems to be all about his health. He didn't allow a sack last year when he played, but he was also in and out of the lineup a lot because of injuries. Two years ago, he was a starter in just about every game for Florida State. So I think if Bless is, is ready to go, then he immediately sort of upgrades what you have at this O-line spot. Now you're placing Andrew Coker – and Brandon Coleman, I think Mike Nichols will be um, a factor at that tackle position as well. He'll also be somebody that's going to be involved in this discussion moving forward. But it really does feel like it, it's Bless Harris's job to lose at left tackle. And if he can come in and solidify this offensive line, they're going to have to find – I still think they're about a year away from being in a spot where they really like the balance they have between young guys with potential and veterans who can play – at you know right now and can make things happen and can be valuable players for them, but they're getting closer with the players that they brought in this offseason. I think the challenge for AJ Ricker and this coaching staff is going to be this year. Okay, who are your best five guys? Get them out there on the field, get some cohesiveness going, get communication going, and then hopefully those guys stay healthy. Like I don't think you're going to have eleven or twelve quality linemen this season that can play right away. But I, I feel like there's a good chance they could cobble together a starting offensive line that can make a big difference. And that starts – if you're going to sling the ball around with Josh Hoover, which is what they did, you know, with Kendall Bryles and that QB combination at the end of the year, you have to have a clean pocket and you have to make plays. So excited to see what Bless Harris can bring to the table as far as solidifying that. And then finally, Drake Dabney – um, was a really productive player for Baylor last year. And again, really dynamic after he had the ball in his hands, his ability to get upfield, make plays. He should be able to come in and right away be a factor. We saw Jared Wiley and his production take off this past season. Um, he had a huge game against Baylor. You know, he, he was a, a focal point of that offense all year long. So a big target um, that can come in and join DeAndre Rodgers and potentially Chase Curtis as guys who have been around for a little bit. I think this is going to be good for Josh Hewer to have Dabney working over the middle of the field and making plays. But if I had to pick one player, I think it's going to make the biggest impact 
from the portal. In my mind, it's Eric McAllister. I just think getting the vertical passing game going will be such a huge lift for this football team going into this next season. Um, and he's going to be a huge, a huge part of what they're trying to do and what they're trying to build here at TCU moving forward. But those are your 19 transfer players. Those are the guys that are committed. And, I mean, I, I really like what McAllister brings to the table. You know, defensively, I like what they have working too. It just feels like a lot more depth pieces than actual starters are going to make things happen. But Caleb Alarmzor is a legit dude. And, I mean, I think he's going to be right there in that linebacker rotation immediately for Andy Avalos in this defense, making plays, cleaning things up, and making things happen. I, I would grade – you know, you're you're grading these things on paper because ultimately it has to be production – there has to be production on the field. But I would give I would give this portal hall a B. Like, I, I think you filled all the needs that you have. Now it's just about coaching them up to make an impact. Can they do it? I don't know. But as far as like, okay, it makes sense that you're bringing these types of players in that play these positions, I think it's a resounding yes for TCU football. When we come back, we'll talk more about uh, coaching staff changes, transfer portal things. But I want to bring some clarity to something I talked about last week, which is it appears TCU has – a new linebackers coach. That's coming up next year on Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day. You don't want to be caught in an emergency. You know, I've, I've been stuck at home the last three days. Actually, it's four days now because the heater at my at my kid's school is not working. So they canceled school today. Hopefully, they'll get back at it tomorrow. But it's been a long weekend. Thankfully, though, with this cold snap here in Texas, we haven't lost power. I haven't seen, you know, widespread power outages across the state. It hasn't been anything like that snowvid situation a few years back. But if there's anything that we've learned through the pandemic a few years ago, through uh, snowpocalypse, all the different things that we've been through lately, it's unprecedented times are so unpredictable. And they, they just catch us whenever they catch us. And we have to be ready for it. And one thing that uh, you can do to be prepared is have a Jace Medical Kit. Jace Medical has a lot of different first aid um items for you, but then they also have five life-saving antibiotics that can treat um, bacterial illnesses, respiratory infections, skin infections, among other things. These kind of things could happen to any of us. There's nothing that strikes fear in me more than if like when my kids got sick and I didn't have the right things that I needed for them. A Jace case could really help me out in that scenario. You can use the promo code LOCKDOWN for $20 off your own Jace case. You can get it today at jacemedical.com. Again, that's jacemedical.com. Don't get caught unprepared in the case of emergency or if you can't get out and get what you need, have a Jace case available and you can use the promo code LOCKDOWN to get $20 off um, that product today. jacemedical.com, proud sponsor of the Lockdown Network. Continuing here on Lockdown Hornbrook. So last week I talked about Ken Wilson joining the defensive staff, football scoop, put that out there that he was joining the staff. And Ken Wilson, his background, so he was a coach at Nevada for the past two seasons, head coach there. Didn't go well, but as I have said and others have chimed in, I mean, for one, it, as an assistant coach, I don't really think you need to be worried about what a, what his record was as a head coach. He's not going to be the head coach here, obviously. But then secondly, Ken comes in with a lot of pedigree, with a lot of experience. He's well-respected around uh, the industry and so it seems like it's a good fit. He's been a, you know, co-defense coordinator, position coach for 
over two decades. He spent almost two decades at Nevada. He spent some time at Washington State and was very successful there. He was at Oregon uh, on Andy Avalos' defensive staff there, won a Pac-12 championship during his time with the Ducks. Eventually made his way to Nevada, and that didn't work out as a head coach, and so now he's moving on. The question at the time was, what's his role going to be? Is he going to be the linebacker's coach, or is he going to be in more of an analyst role? And that's been clarified. It was announced yesterday by TCU and reported by Jamie Plunkett and Jeremy Clark at 247 Sports that Ken Wilson is the new linebacker's coach for the Frogs. So you're bringing in somebody to coach LBs that has over 20 years of experience, knows the position well. He's coached just about every position on the defense. Linebackers, though, is his specialty. And so I think this is a good hire. Um, he's already doing some work on the recruiting trail with bringing in Richard Tony, the transfer from Nevada and he will hopefully be a valuable resource in that regard. I like that he's in an on-staff position, on-the-field position, excuse me, just because I think that means he's going to be much more active in recruiting and building the roster, and this should be a good thing. I think he could be a sounding board for Coach Avalos as he takes on not a new role. I mean, he's been defense coordinator before, but comes to a new environment, coming off being a head coach, um, should be a good fit there. It's someone that he trusts, someone that he knows. And it also allows, you know, listen, everybody's different. I think some guys are, take more of a CEO approach. Some guys want to be more hands-on. Joe Gillespie decided to be more hands-on, and he was also the position coach for the linebackers along with um, doing what he had to do, calling plays. But this does allow Avalos to focus more, hopefully, on game planning, you know, big-picture stuff with the defense, and it gives him someone that he trusts at a position of need. Now, this is an interesting situation because, again, you're having a defensive coordinator turnover, but you're maintaining most of the position coaches that you had. So, Jimmy Marcus McFarlane remains as a D-line coach. Carlton Buckles remains as the corners coach. Paul Gonzalez remains as your safeties coach. You're just bringing in a new D.C. and then bringing in a linebackers coach with essentially two people replacing one person who was doing both jobs last year with what Joe Gillespie was doing uh, at TCU this past season. And hopefully these guys can pick up on this quickly. Uh, I think continuity is a good thing. I mean, I feel like with the timing of it, it could have been pretty disastrous bringing in a new DC if you had 15 or 20 guys hit the portal. But because you're able to keep the majority of this defensive staff together, they, in theory, were like rallying the troops saying, hey, y'all stay the course here, like hear us out. Let's try to figure this out together. This is not going to be just wide sweeping changes, right? So I do believe that was beneficial. Remains to be seen uh, what it's going to look like, this new defense is going to look like, and what they're going to do well and what they're going to struggle with. But this seems like a really good hire on paper. Ken Wilson coming over from Nevada, taking over that linebacker coaching role. And so it's someone that you know Andy Avalos is familiar with and one less person that he kind of has to get up to speed with this scheme because Ken should be able to hit the ground running, you know, pick up the verbiage and just roll with it since he's coached this type of defense before and has been under multiple defense coordinators in his career. This is something that he's super familiar with. So I think overall it's a good thing. Um, and we'll see how it plays out with this defensive staff moving forward, but they were able to keep some continuity here. Also bring in some fresh new ideas and I believe we're going to be looking at a, a more aggressive, more active, better defense going into 2024 
for TCU football. Uh, coming up tonight, TCU basketball. They are taking on Cincinnati. Uh, big test for the Frogs. They're also in the top 25 now after a couple big wins. So TCU and Cincinnati, that's coming up this evening. And uh, TCU baseball, some exciting news in the D1 baseball poll. That's coming up next year in Lockdown Horn Frogs, your team every day. I do want to talk about FanDuel, though. Uh, NFL playoffs going on right now. NBA is in full swing. And if you haven't taken advantage of this deal yet, you should do it. If you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and you just place one to $5 bet down, you can get up to $150 in bonus bets. One $5 bet equals $150 in bonus bets. That's free money that you can play with. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel also has an app. That's super easy to use. You can bet on money lines and just do simple spread, you know, bets on spreads. Or you can do some parlays, anything and everything you want. FanDuel.com slash locked on or the FanDuel app. They'll make it easy for you. Again, $150 in bonus bets if you just place one $5 bet down. NFL playoffs coming up later this week, but NBA games on just about every night of the week. FanDuel. Official betting partner of the National Football League, the NBA, and proud sponsor of the Lockdown Network. So TCU men's basketball, they are now number 19 in the country after a couple big wins this past week. They took down Oklahoma, who was number 10 at the time they beat them, and then also beat number two Houston on Saturday in a crazy game. Avery Anderson hits Emmanuel Miller on a back cut to the hoop at the end of that ball game to get a victory, huge win over the Cougs. So now they turn their attention to Cincinnati, and Cincinnati is not off to a great start in Big 12 Conference play, but they've been a tough opponent. You know, they played Baylor really tough on the road um, on Saturday. That was a ball game, and Baylor's a great team. They beat BYU. They played Texas tough. So I think it's going to be a tough ball game, and you hope that you always worry about a team when they get when they get some momentum going – when things start to come together, when everything's happening for them, okay, how do you respond? How do you respond when everybody's patting you on the back and saying you're doing a great job? Now, I will say one thing that hopefully will benefit this group is that there are a lot of veterans with experience. You know, Jamie Dixon talked after the game about how they played those last three minutes. They had no timeouts the last three minutes of that ball game, and they had to play super smart, and they did. He called them the smartest team in America, the way they are able to manage all that, nav- navigate it, get through it and uh, have it happen and so that's the type of you know awareness and mentality they're gonna have to have tonight playing a road game against Cincy they get Iowa State at home it's always a knife fight in the Big 12 and all these games are big but if you're talking about competing if they're actually talking if this is a team that's going to compete for a Big 12 title which is a hard thing to do then these next couple games are crucial because you get Cincinnati on the road then you get number 24 Iowa State at home and they're tough games but they're games that if you're going to be a contender, you have to find a way to win. Like losing either of these games would not be a black eye on their resume. But if you're a serious contender, then these are the types of games that you have to find a way to get victories in. And honestly, it, these are the types of games that it's been tough for Jamie Dixon's squad to consistently win the last few years. They've been great at home against big teams, but then in some of these other you know middle-of-the-pack games, they've struggled. So Cincinnati tonight – against the Frogs, and then also some news on the baseball front. TCU baseball, they were ranked in the top five in the new Baseball America poll, their preseason poll, but the D1 baseball poll is the one that everybody pays attention to. And the Frogs coming at number five in the D1 preseason rankings, Wake Forest at one, Florida at two, Arkansas at three, LSU at four, and TCU at five. 
Rounding out the top 10, Vandy at 6, Oregon State at 7, Texas A&M at 8, Tennessee at 9, and Clemson at 10. Other Big 12 teams that are featured, Texas at 16, Texas Tech at 21, and Kansas State at 24. I'm not shocked by this. I will say I'm a little surprised at how much preseason love this team is getting just because they're replacing so much in that lineup. Now, the pitching staff, I think they've added some guys that are going to make this pitching staff pretty salty. Uh, Cole Collector's coming back. You know, Luis Rodriguez is coming back after dealing with injury. They went and got Ben Hampton from West Virginia, who started a lot of games. Peyton Tole will be there from uh, Wichita State, two-way player. Kind of remains to be seen what his future is going to be and how they're going to use him, but he can be a starting pitcher. So they have options there. This lineup should be pretty salty. Anthony Silva's coming back. Uh, Carson Bowen's back. Curtis Byrne really came on as a DH at the end of the year. Uh, they got Peyton Chantier from Old Miss, who's a very experienced starter. He's going to replace Trey Richardson at second base. They've got some young freshmen they like. And Tole's going to be in the middle of that lineup as somebody who can really mash. He showed a lot of power in the fall. But still, that's a lot of that's a lot of turnover. I mean, you're losing Braden Taylor. You're losing Trey Richardson. You're losing your former leadoff hitter and Elijah Nunez, who did a lot of great things for you. Is Logan Maxwell going to step up? Is Luke Boyer going to be able to stick up, step up? Are they going to have the same amount of depth in that lineup that they had this past season? That remains to be seen. But I'm excited to watch it pl- play out. And I think their bullpen's going to be good. Overall, this looks like a team that is a force to be reckoned with. And they come in at number five in the D1 preseason poll. That'll do it for Lockdown Horn Frogs today. We'll be back tomorrow. It's your team every day.